You're listening to Ari Goldweig's Parsha Podcast, recorded in 5768-2007. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayetze. At the very beginning of the Parsha, we find Yaakov is leaving. Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Sheva, Vayelecharona. He leaves Be'er Sheva, Be'er Sheba, and he goes to Charon, to Padan around the place of his uncle, Lavan. Now before he actually leaves, Chazal tell us, our sages tell us, that he spent 14 years... 14 years in Yeshiva's Shem Ve'ever, in the Yeshiva, studying the Torah from Shem and Ever. Now it's very interesting, the Balaturim writes that if you look at the words Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Sheva, hinted in these words, when Yaakov left Be'er Sheva, that he was leaving the Yeshiva of Shem and Ever, where he spent time. The word Yaakov, the last letter of Yaakov, the last letter of mi Be'er, the last letter of Sheva, those letters are Ever, which is the name of the yeshiva. In fact, the Marsha says that if you take the word Mi Be'er Sheva and you break down the letters, you actually have the letters Shem, Ever, and Av. Because the yeshivas of Shem and Ever and also the yeshiva of Yitzchak Avinu was also in Be'er Sheva. Av is reference to the father, meaning the father of Yaakov, which was, which was Yitzchak. Now the question is, what was the significance of the fact that he went to learn in this yeshiva, in Shem and Aver's yeshiva, as opposed to his father's yeshiva? Why did he leave his father's yeshiva and go to Shem and Aver? So there's a very simple explanation, and that is that he had to run away from Esav. If, if he was still found in his father's yeshiva, Esav would find him and kill him. However, if he would be in Shem and Aver, he could hide himself there. But the, then the question be, becomes... Why didn't he just go straight from, from Be'er Sheva to Haran? His father and his mother told him to go and find a wife. Why didn't he go right away to find a wife? Why did he spend 14 years learning in the yeshiva's Shem and Aver? What was the special significance of the time that he spent there? Now before we answer that question, we're going to ask a few other questions. And hopefully, Be'ezus Hashem, with God's help, we'll have the answer to the other questions. We'll come back to this question. Rav Vigdor Miller points out that we find throughout the story of Yaakov Avinu, in more than one place, specifically two places in this parsha, or three places in this parsha, that there is a reference to Yaakov and a stone, a rock. The first place that we find that Yaakov Avinu has a, a Misa, a story with a stone, is the very beginning of the parsha, when Yaakov Avinu comes to this place, which is originally called Luz and then he changed the name to Base El. He comes there and he goes to sleep for the night and he pulls some stones together and puts them under his head. When he wakes up in the morning and he's realized, realized that he's seen this vision of God, he realizes that he's, he's standing in a very holy place he didn't realize before, and he takes some oil and he pours oil onto the rock, thus dedicating the rock and dedicating the place to Hashem. This rock became a monument for him to remember that this place had been a place where he had experienced a revelation from God. That was the first time that we find that Yaakov had an interaction, so to speak, with a rock. The second time is subsequently, as the, as the story progresses, as soon as he comes to Haran, as soon as he comes to the place of his uncle Lavan, so he sees this group of shepherds, and they're sitting around the well, and there's a great stone upon the well. So he asks them, what's the purpose of the stone? Why are they just sitting around, and why aren't they giving their sheep to drink? And they respond and say that the stone is so that nobody takes from the water without permission. And thus, the, there's a great stone upon the well that requires a great amount of people to take off the stone. And then we have to wait until everyone comes. And once everyone comes, we can take the stone off the well. After he receives this explanation, he sees that Rachel, 
Rachel, his first cousin, is coming, the daughter of Laban, the daughter of Lavan. And he decides to take it, take it upon himself to single-handedly remove this large stone from the well so that he can give the water to his cousin. And he does so, and this amazing feat is so wonderful that Rachel, Rachel runs back to Lavan and, and tells him all about what happened. Again, we see this interaction with a stone. What's the significance of the stone? The third time that we find an interaction with a stone is when Yaakov takes his wives and his children and all of his possessions and he leaves Lovin's house without informing him. Lovin hears about what's going on. He quickly runs after him and he catches up to him. And before he catches up to him, so he goes to sleep for the night, Lovin. And God comes to him in a dream and says to him, Don't you dare touch Yaakov. Don't you go near him. The next day, Lovin gets up and he meets with Yaakov and he makes a pact with Yaakov. And part of the pact, Yaakov sets up a monument, a stone. Again, we find this theme recurring. And it's a theme that we don't find by Avraham and we don't find by Yitzchak. It's only something that we find by Yaakov. Rabbi Victor Miller explains that underlying this theme with the stones is something that's truly foundational to our understanding of Yaakov Avinu and what his interaction with the world was, and what his purpose in the world was. Rabbi Victor Miller explains that the word Evan in Hebrew, stone in Hebrew is Evan. Evan, the Shoresh, the root of the word Evan is the two-letter root, Beiz Nun. Beiz Nun is also the root of the word Binyan. A Binyan is a building. Livnot, which is also the same Beiz Nun root, is to build. Yaakov of Avinu's purpose was different than Avram and Yitzchak. Abraham and Isaac, they both had progeny who were less than perfect. Avram had Yishmael, Yitzchak had Esav. However, Yaakov, all 12 of his sons were perfect. Each one of them was a, a righteous man in his own right. Each one of them was a tzaddik. Yaakov was the one who was the beginning of Klal Yisrael. He was the one who was beginning the foundations of Klal Yisrael. And therefore, he keeps having these interactions with stones because a stone in Evan reminds us of the idea of building. Because we take stones, and in, for certain in those times, but even in our times, we take stones and we use them as a foundation for a building. And that was Yaakov Yinu's purpose. His purpose was to, to, to build the people of Israel. And that's why I believe, this is my own understanding, the first stone that we talked about was a stone that he dedicated to God. The first stone that we need in a foundation for, for God's people is to realize that we have to dedicate ourselves to God, to recognize that God's hand is in our lives, see the messages, and dedicate ourselves to Him. The second stone was when Yaakov Avinu, he moved the stone away from the be'er, from the well, in order to give water to Rachel. That's an idea of chesed, of kindness. The second stone that we need is, is a stone of kindness. That's the foundation. In order to make a people of Israel, we need kindness. The third stone was a, was a stone between him and Lavan, saying, we are not going to meet, we're not going to cross, cross over this line. Meaning, the people of Israel has to separate itself from evil forces and evil people. In order to create a foundation for the people of Israel, we have to know, we're a nation that's different from all other nations. And we need to separate ourselves from the evil in order to create a strong foundation for the people of Israel. Now let's return back to the first question that we asked. We mentioned that Chazal, our sages, tell us that Yaakov spent 14 years before leaving, before leaving Be'er Sheva and going to Haran. He spent 14 years in the yeshiva of Shem and Ever. 
What was the significance of that time? And I think that based on this understanding of Rav Avigdor Miller, that the whole essence of Yaakov Avinu was to build the people of Israel, to set down the foundation stones of Israel. It was necessary that he have 14 years in this yeshiva. Now what was, difference between, what was the difference between the experience that he had in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver as opposed to the experience that he had in his father's yeshiva? I believe that the essential component of this time that he spent in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver was that he was there as a fugitive. He was there running away from Esav. He was there hidden, completely hidden. The Torah that he was learning there was a Torah that was not for show. It was not for anyone else to see. He had to stay hidden. All the learning that he was doing was completely besaiser. We find in the Gemara in Sukkah, the Gemara brings down at the end of the fourth parak that one of the one of the essential aspects and components of learning Torah is that it be done quietly, it be done without fanfare. That's what the Gemara there says. Elsewhere, we find that the Gemara says there are three things that a person is allowed to change the truth and not say the whole truth. One of the things is if someone asks you, did you learn a complete Masech, a complete tractate of the Talmud? One is allowed to say, no, I only learned part of it. You're allowed to lie and cover up the truth. What we see is that there's a profound level in Torah that one can only achieve and only attain if he has the proper amount of humility. And the understanding of it is explained by another Gemara. The Gemara says, there's a Pasuk that's describing, a verse that's describing the, the movement of the people of Israel when they were in the desert. It says, Midbar Matana, they went from Midbar, to Matana, umi Matana Nachliel, they went from Matana to Nachliel. The, the Gemara explains homiletically that when a person makes himself like a Midbar, the first place, then he gets the next thing, which is Matana. The Torah is given to him as a present. What does it mean to make oneself like a Midbar? The Gemara says, Hefker Lakoil. He makes himself ownerless to all, meaning he's not Makbid, he doesn't care what other people say about him, he's not Makbid on his covet, he's a, he's a humble person. When he becomes humble, then the Torah is given to him as a present. Now this great level of humility that Yaakov had to attain was something that was essential before he went to build the people of Israel. Because as soon as he would go to Haran, with God's help he would find the woman he's supposed to marry, and he would start to build the people of Israel. He had to have that already within him before he left. And this level of humility was something that he could only attain at this time because Esav was running after him. He had to be in a state of hiddenness. He had to learn the Torah in a complete and utter humility. And that's why it was necessary for him to spend those 14 years there before he even left. And it could even be that the pshat, the reason why the Torah left this message out and only hinted it hinted to it in the letters of Ayitzayakum Iber Sheva, is to again bring out that idea that Torah has to be b'seser. Learning the Torah has to be something that's hidden. In fact, it's so hidden it's not even mentioned in the, in the Torah itself. Because it has to be something that's completely hidden in order to learn properly and in order to inculcate in oneself the idea of humility. And that's something that's essential for Klai Yisrael to have. Because if we don't have humility, if we don't have the Torah with humility, we can't give to the next generation the idea of humility. We can't properly give over to people Torah unless we're humble. Now this is something that's truly directly relevant to all of us because each one of us in our own way is building the next generation of Klaus or the next generation of the people of Israel. Because our example for our children or for other people is something that is looked at and followed. And wherever we are missing, heaven forbid, in our Avodah Hashem, in our connection to God, it's going to be missing, heaven forbid, in our children. And wherever we're strong in our connection to God, it's going to be strong in our children with God's help. 
So we have to look again to Yaakov. First thing is to learn Torah with all of our strength and with humility and to try our best to understand everything and to, and to not show off about what we do know and to try to, to try to limit what people know that we know. That's the first step. The second step is to dedicate ourselves to Hashem, to dedicate ourselves to our connection to Hashem. That's when he, when he poured the oil on the stone and he dedicated himself to God. The third step is to re- remember that it's so important to do chesed and kindness to others, whether it's in Torah, whether it's in other areas. Kindness is the third step. And the fourth step that we see from Yaakov Avinu is that we have to separate ourselves from evil. We have to separate ourselves from the things that detract from holiness. We have to separate ourselves from the nations of the world. We have to remind ourselves and remember that we're separate, we're different, we're special. Hashem chose us, chose the people of Israel because of our, our true specialness, our dedication to God. And if we think about these ideas, God willing, with Hashem's help, we'll be able to inculcate into our children, into all of the next generations, the idea of coming close to Hashem. And with, with this, we'll bring Mashiach closer, speedily in our days. Have a very good Shabbos. Thank you.